one of the basic tenets, one of the basic uh, <coughs> truths, or truth, what marks of existence we say in Buddhism, is the inescapable fact of impermanence. Uh, and if there's impermanence, that intrinsically means that we, we can't control our lives. That, well, we can to some degree, but there's certainly a limit to how much we can control or, or exert how our lives will go. Um, and I think I'm, I'm a definitive point uh, of somebody who's desperately tried to find a technique for holding on to or attaining some kind of unchangeable, harmonious state of mental or physical health, uh, and and I've failed, and I think we all fail. Um, so finally, the practice entails just letting go. After let go of the fantasy, and then to accept our lives just as it is, or just as they are and ourselves just as we are. And we do what we can to deal with the limits of what we can do. Uh, and at the same time, we don't, uh, we don't let go of our, of, our, of our responsibility or our wish to maintain a practice, which will bring ease into our lives and perhaps ease into other people's lives. So, you know, we, we, we hold on to that ongoing ideal of practice and, and as well be careful to not see it as some kind of treadmill. That it's, uh, it's not about self-improvement necessarily. I mean, it can be used for that, but it's not a treadmill of self-improvement. It's, it's important in its own right, just for its own sake. Um, and I think... <clears throat> The most difficult part of the practice is, and, and but the, 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 the part that most we can most benefit from is that <clears throat> when, when the practice reveals to us in a real way, I don't mean intellectually, but in a real way, we really sometimes can feel it to some degree that this self that we defend doesn't have any basic foundation. It's not really real. Um, it's empty. By the way, I read a fantastic definition of emptiness today. I've, I've kept it there. I don't know whether, if any have I ever finished, remind me to read this definition of emptiness. Mm. No. So even after. It's worth remembering if you have any doubts or you're having, you know, you, you, about yourself or your abilities or whatever, that at the end of the day, all of us, and that, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know him personally, but maybe even Shakyamuni Buddha, uh, we're all just ourselves finally, you know, our warts and all, that's who we are. Uh, and we're always going to be remain, we're going to be embodied in this mortal thing, living in the world. We're always going to be managing right and wrong, good and bad. This is where we live and this is where we need to function, right here. Uh, 
And um, as often happens with the, so, uh, in interviews, somebody will ask me a question about, and it's exactly what I was planning to talk about this evening. And somebody asked me a question this evening about bringing um, our practice into our ordinary daily busy life. And um, I know that we can feel our everyday existence as a kind of distraction from our spiritual intention, our spiritual wishes, our hopes. Uh, and somehow, you know, when I'm on the cushion, I'm, that's, a, that's my spiritual practice. And when I'm out in Aldi shopping, that's not spiritual practice. Or Waitrose or whatever you call. Uh, and as soon as we do that, we divide life between the sacred and the mundane. And, uh, and, and, and we create a separation. So if we hold on to this idea that the sacred or the spiritual lies somewhere else other than right now, right in this moment, whatever's going on for you, then we're, we're creating a separation. Uh, and, and we'll be governed by that, you know? Um, And if we can, if we can really hold on to that, we find that the, the, the Buddha nature is found in the middle of everything, in the middle of relationships, in the middle of a row, in the middle of work, in the middle of family, in the middle of Christmas, uh, in the middle of our thoughts, in the middle of our emotional state. Nothing is outside of it. Nothing. It's all here now. Uh, there's no boundaries. It's just now. So the, you know, the three marks of existence, the message of Buddhism, the message of this tradition, they're all relevant all the time in all locations, 24-7. And I think if we can really, if we can really believe that, then there is no environment other than the one you're presently in that's the right one for you in terms of your spiritual practice. There isn't another place to be. Um, you know, I say that glibly, but I know it's really difficult, really, really difficult. So this was written, there's a piece here that I wanted to read to you written by Rodney Smith, a guy I really, really like. He's a, he's a guiding teacher in Seattle, the Seattle Insight Meditation Society. I really like what he writes, but this is what he says about the lay Buddhist. The lay Buddhist harbors no defense, seeks no shelter, and avoids no conflict for the re resolution of wholeness. It is here in the middle of our total involvement that this alchemy of spirit can best be engaged. It is here in the middle of our total involvement that this alchemy of spirit can best be engaged. Our life becomes focused around this transformation as our primary intention for living. We find everything we need immediately before us within the circumstances and conditions we long perhaps begrudged. Spiritual growth becomes abundantly available and is no longer associated exclusively with any particular presentation or form. Spiritual growth is not associated exclusively with any particular presentation or form. 
So whatever your practice, whether it's Chikantaz or whether it's cone practice, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's whatever it is, it's okay. But it's not exclusive. So if we're, I don't know whether whether it's true of, of what's being created in the general kind of atmosphere caused by COVID or to do with the sadness and grief that arises uh, as an outcome of COVID or in our personal circumstances. But um, <clears throat> What's, what's what, what seems to me to be really surprising is that in the areas we least expect to find the sacred or the holy or the spiritual, um, the ones we avoid, you know, like, like loneliness and despair and grief and dissatisfaction, they seem to be actually the places where uh, they're the most fertile. For our, for our understanding and, and, uh, and uh, recognition of, 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 our, of, of, of our interconnectedness. I know it sounds cliche to say, I keep saying that, but I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Which is a surprise. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm done. Anybody wants to ask me anything or comments or what you, whatever you like, please go Thank for you. it. And I'll, I'll, at the end, I'll read you this definition of, of emptiness, which I really like. Okay. Oshi, we got Tim. All right. Okay. <laughs> really, oh, there's Tim. Hello, Tim. Hi. Hey, Oshi. Um, for, I, um, in my life, there's lots in it that uh, isn't the way I thought. And I think one of the biggest things our practice has given me is, first of all, acceptance of how it is. So I'm not in denial as to how it is, um, but also the fact it hasn't got to look like anything. And I think those two things, as a human being, have really helped me. That's come directly through our practice, definitely. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Hi, Roshi. Hi. Um, I think I just wanted to say, I think it, it's one of the most reassuring things about this practice. Um, and I think about being in Stonewater is, uh, is that it is okay to just be, just be what it is. It's okay for me to just be me. And, um, mm. and the, you know, the, the, the things I encounter in myself, and that's great. Thank you, Lee. Lee, it's not just okay to be, Lee. It's great. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Keith. Hi, Roshi. Yeah, I don't know whether it's synchronicity or what, but I was uh, doing a, a, um, 
I like watch. I like um, BookTube on YouTube and people talking about different books they've read. And one guy had this book on a, a concept called, I think it was a Cetier or a Cetier, something that contemplators in the Christian yeah. tradition felt. They felt like giving up. Yeah. <laughs> it, got, it got too much for them. And I'm going through a bit of that now. And I think it's the COVID thing. You know, I feel as if um, not only in practice, but in life in general, like things are moving away from me. And um, I'm just trying to work with that, and it's it's really difficult. And um, and the only thing I know to do is just to stick with it as much as I can. But it's really difficult, and it saddens me. And it's uh, so most a lot of people are f- feeling this the sense of isolation and loneliness, and you know. And I'm hearing it from all sorts of people, uh, from my son, and you know, my mum's feeling it, and. You know, and it's just, it's just like everything's just turned into a big shit show all of a sudden. And it's just, you know, it's really hard to, to, to deal with it. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a battle. It really is, a, for me personally, anyway, at the moment. Thanks, Keith. It's really interesting because my understanding is the spiritual fathers, the many monks in, in you know, in, in, in the desert of the Middle East, of, this is a very common thing that they suffered from. What was the a city is it called? I've forgotten what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I pronounced it wrong. Yeah, of being really, yeah, yeah, of being full of doubt and dryness and can't move on. Yeah, yeah. A great time though, a great, a great opportunity to question. Yeah. You know, to bring up that real doubt. Yeah. yeah th- thank you, Keith. Thank you. Okay, so we have an early night. Thank you. I hope I only, I hope I, I hope I, I, uh, I numbed you into silence rather than bored you into silence. <laughs> oh, I'd just like to say something. I was just holding back there, but uh, I'd just like to say something. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear from you. Yeah. Well, uh, I think what Keith said is very, very poignant, of course, and I think it is affecting uh, everybody in different ways. This situation. It, it it just strikes me that um, you know a lot of the time in life we the grass is always greener somewhere else uh, you know that old saying and uh, whether it's a relationship or health or uh, you, you know just just a different existence somewhere and it's a bit of a hard realization understand from what you your, your various quotations that actually. It's pointed to the fact that in terms of spiritual progress, the grass is greener where you're sitting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that's hard to swallow when, yeah. when you're having a tough time, isn't it? Um, you know, it isn't that this is the best of all possible worlds. It is just that this is where that spiritual um, life is most often revealed, I guess. So the grass is greener here, it turns out. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way to put it, John. Thank you. Ishin? Um, Roshi, it struck me that it could be that if you did ask everybody, you'd probably get the people from Liverpool complaining that they couldn't go to the dojo. 
And the people from other counties, miles and days travel away, are thinking, this is absolutely super. I can go to a Dharma talk or a Tay show every week. I think it's super as well-ish. <laughs> no, thanks. And the truth is, days, there are less, less people from Liverpool than there are from elsewhere on the screen now. Truly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. It's super. Thank you. Thank you. I just stay so youngish. It's wonderful. I stay miles from the camera. I'm not talking physically, although you do look wonderful for your age. I'm talking about your your kind of wonderment and innocence of life. It's it's really <laughs> lovely. I really like it. Thank you. Okay, I'll read. I'll read you this. Uh, this I don't know whether it'll make sense to you, but it just resonated for me. It's always really hard to find a definitive kind of. You know, somebody put themselves out on a limb and say what Buddha nature is. And this person, and this person uh, is very well known. Uh, Hakuin Yasutani, who was one of the uh, teachers of Mizumi. So he says, what is the substance of this Buddha or Dharma nature? In Buddhism, it is called Shunyata. Now, Shunyata is not mere emptiness. It is that which is living, dynamic, devoid of mass, unfixed, beyond individuality, beyond individuality or personality. It's the matrix of all phenomena, the matrix of all phenomena. It goes on to say, the true substance and things that is, this world, unfixed, devoid of mass, beyond individuality or personality, is outside the realm of imagination. Accordingly, the true substance of things, that is their Buddha nature, is inconceivable and inscrutable. It's inconceivable and inscrutable. Uh, and, and that's because you are it. So unless you could stand outside of yourself and have a look in, you're never know, gonna know what it is. <laughs> you are it. Yeah. What was that word? What was the phrase? That, what, you, what are you? You are. You are the matrix of all phenomena. How's that? <laughs> Does that feel good? The matrix of all phenomena. Okay. Have a lovely, have a lovely evening. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.